Welcome to the Fasting Well podcast. This is episode 22, and today I'll be talking about Alzheimer's. I'll have some bad news about Alzheimer's, but also some good news about Alzheimer's. So just in case you're not totally familiar, Alzheimer's is that disease where people lose their memory. Usually it's older people, and it's actually really common. Over 6 million Americans are estimated to be currently living with Alzheimer's. And about, if you get to the retirement age of 65, it's about 11%, or one in nine people. And at age 85 or older, it's about 35%, or one in three people have Alzheimer's disease. Now, Alzheimer's is a devastating condition. Uh, If you've ever seen it, you know this. Um, Someone who used to be able to take care of themselves, used to be able to have a normal conversation, now basically has no idea what's going on. They can't function. They can't take care of themselves. They can't even remember who their family members are. So it's, it's miserable for everyone involved. Now, until very recently, Alzheimer's was considered to be an irreversible progressive condition that was just going to get worse and worse until you died. And even how to prevent Alzheimer's seemed mysterious, and there wasn't a lot of great advice about that. But that's kind of starting to change. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. And one of the things I'll talk about today is how fasting and uh, certain types of nutritional changes, including a ketogenic diet, can fit into the prevention and treatment of Alzheimer's. And I always think it's pretty cool when there's a, a specific disease or a condition and you learn about how fasting or other lifestyle changes can help prevent or treat this condition. I think that can be really motivating and really give you kind of a a strong incentive to to make some of those changes that maybe you'd been putting off otherwise. FYI, I'm also going to write this up as a blog post, and so if it's done by the time this goes live, then I'll put a link in the episode description. If not, I'll add it later. So you can check there and see if there's a link to the blog post. So recently I heard a podcast, and it was uh, Dr. Dale Bredesen was being interviewed on Dr. Mark Hyman's show. And Dr. Bredesen is a neurologist, Um, he's written a few books, and he's done a whole bunch of research about Alzheimer's. And he's essentially developed a program to be able to treat Alzheimer's, and it's pretty effective. Um, Basically, they're able to prevent it basically 100% of the time if, if somebody follows his program. And usually if somebody has early Alzheimer's, they're able to treat it pretty effectively if it's in the first kind of 10 years or so is kind of what that means, but it has more to do with how severe the symptoms are. But usually somebody lives for a decade or so with those kind of mild symptoms, and you're not maybe sure how bad it's going to get, but then it gets worse later on. But anyway, if it's caught early, usually his program is able to reverse it completely, um, or very nearly so. And even with more advanced cases of Alzheimer's, they're able to see significant improvement. Though in those cases, they're not able to completely reverse it. So Dr. Bredesen shared a story towards the end of that podcast episode, which I'll kind of paraphrase here. So he described um, a 73-year-old woman who was a psychiatrist, and her husband noticed that her memory was just really getting worse and worse, and she just wasn't able to function that well. Um, I guess she was in the ninth percentile on the memory test that they use to kind of evaluate Alzheimer's. So in other words, she was in that bottom 10% or so of people in terms of how well her memory was functioning. And so she started working with Dr. Bredesen, and they found that she, you know, could benefit from some some nutritional changes and a little hormone adjustment, and there was a specific infection that they treated. And ultimately, while she had 
I guess it was considered fairly early signs of Alzheimer's on the brain scan. Ultimately, after you know a bit of a process, she was able to go from you know that ninth percentile all the way up to the ninety seventh percentile in terms of her memory, and then also on the brain scan, all the signs of Alzheimer's went away. Her neurologist was really impressed, really surprised, and she he he mentioned that her friends were no longer able to cheat her on the golf course because <laughs> she could actually remember and kind of keep up with things. And so that was one story that he shared, and he's written a whole book about stories of people that uh, have improved significantly. It's called The First Survivors of Alzheimer's. But that's the one really specific story that he shared on that podcast episode. But throughout that podcast, he also explained a lot of other details about Alzheimer's and what his treatment program is like. And one thing I thought was really interesting is that he has identified two main underlying causes of Alzheimer's. So in the majority of cases, there are these two main underlying causes. And number one is insulin resistance. Number two is inflammation. So insulin resistance, um, if you're not really sure what that is, uh, we talked a lot about it in episode 18 when I interviewed Dr. Ben Bickman. He's an expert on insulin, has done a whole bunch of research on it. So we talked a lot about it in episode 18 if you want to just learn more and more about that. But in the case of Alzheimer's, what happens is that the brain can't really use sugar adequately. It can't use glucose adequately. And so there's kind of an energy crisis in the brain. Even though your blood sugar might be very high, your brain can't get enough, and so there's this energy crisis. And this is kind of why a lot of people have nicknamed Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. So some people call it that because it has a lot to do with your brain not being able to properly process sugar. So that was the first main underlying cause of Alzheimer's. It's insulin resistance. The second one is inflammation, which can come from various causes. Now, inflammation is a good thing. Uh, We need it to survive. Um, Our body uses it to fight off infection and heal certain types of wounds and so forth. But if you have too much of it, it becomes a bad thing, especially if it's just kind of throughout your whole body. And in many cases of Alzheimer's, there's too much inflammation in the brain. In fact, Dr. Bredesen explained that 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 protein that people talk about called amyloid, uh, which builds up in the brain when people have Alzheimer's, is actually a component of the immune system. So part of the reason it shows up is probably because of the inflammation and often some sort of infection that's going on. So those are the two main underlying causes of Alzheimer's in the majority of cases, insulin resistance and inflammation. And once I heard that, I thought of something that is just a simple connection, but it was pretty powerful. And that is that fasting is pretty good at reversing insulin resistance, fixing insulin resistance. And it's also pretty good at lowering inflammation. So if you have kind of excessive inflammation throughout your body, fasting will tend to reduce inflammation. By the way, in in episode three of the podcast, I talked about some benefits of intermittent fasting, and one of them was how it can help get rid of insulin resistance. And in episode 12, I talked about some benefits of extended fasting, and one of those was also helping to get rid of insulin resistance. And and the difference there is that the extended fasting can sometimes do it more quickly or more powerfully. But, uh, But I explained a little bit more about it in those episodes if you want to check those out. So in addition to fasting, a ketogenic diet or just getting into ketosis in any other way. By the way, ketosis just means having ketones in your blood. So if you hear that word, ketosis means you have ketones inside you. So a ketogenic diet or any other thing that causes you to have ketones in your bloodstream 
also helps, helps fix insulin resistance and helps reduce inflammation. So fasting and keto both make logical sense as something that would help prevent or treat Alzheimer's. And it turns out that fasting and keto are important parts of Dr. Bredesen's program. So the nutritional changes are the foundation of his program. And there are some other things they look at. They look at vitamin deficiencies and certain hormone levels, heavy metals like mercury and lead. If you have kind of mercury poisoning, that can cause Alzheimer's. In fact, this was kind of crazy. Uh, Dr. Bredesen estimated that about 3% of people with Alzheimer's are due to too much mercury, due to mercury poisoning. So I thought that that was kind of insane because that's very treatable. But in many cases, perhaps no one even checked their mercury levels, so just nobody knew that that was the cause. Um, another thing was infections. There are certain types of infections that can contribute to inflammation in the brain and, and can be a contributing factor. So he tests people for all these different things, and, and they use other treatments as well, depending on what they find. But the, the nutritional changes are at the foundation. In his nutrition plan, he calls it Ketoflex 12-3. And you'll, you'll figure out in a second what the 12-3 means. But keto, of course, means that you know, it's kind of a low-carb, high-fat type of thing or some other way of getting into ketosis. The flex kind of refers to sort of like a flexitarian diet, meaning the amount of meat is flexible. So keto flex 12-3, here's basically what it looks like. So there are no grains, no sugar, and no conventional dairy. There is a lot of, there are a lot of nutrient-rich plants, a lot of vegetables and some fruit, um, a lot of healthy fats and high-quality protein, and then at least 12 hours of fasting overnight, meaning you're doing kind of a little bit of time-restricted eating so that as a result, you can at least get in those 12 hours of fasting. That includes when you sleep, so you already have the maybe eight hours of sleeping time but just a few hours before and after that as well, so that adds up to at least 12 hours, and then at least three hours of not eating before bedtime. So that's what the 12-3 or 12-3 means, is the 12 hours overnight and the three hours before bedtime. And then his Ketoflex 12-3 also includes ketosis, and so that's, that means regular periods of ketosis. It doesn't have to be constant, but kind of getting the brain to switch from running on sugar to running on ketones. Because remember, the brain is kind of having this energy crisis where it can't use sugar very effectively. So having it kind of switch over to using ketones for energy is really beneficial. So from that criteria, you can tell that fasting is an important part and ketosis is an important part. So fasting and keto play a big role in preventing and treating Alzheimer's. They're basically at the foundation of his treatment program. So as I mentioned earlier, With that combination of those nutritional changes, as well as various other tests and treatment that they sometimes use, they're able to have a lot of success. Um, Dr. Bredesen and his team can usually prevent Alzheimer's basically 100% of the time. So if you know that you're at a high risk for it and then you start following his program, it's almost 0% chance that you'll get Alzheimer's. And then they're often able to reverse early cases, and they're almost always able to see some noticeable improvement no no matter how advanced it is. But in the very advanced cases, they're not able to reverse the disease, not able to completely cure it. So that's just kind of a teaser about this whole topic. Um, In other words, you're not going to get all the info that you would ever need to know about Alzheimer's uh, just from this podcast episode. But if you want to learn more about it, uh, I'll link to some of his books. He's written three books um, about this, Dr. Bredesen. 
One is called The End of Alzheimer's. That was kind of the original one. Then later he came out with The End of Alzheimer's Program, where it got a little more practical, more kind of actionable tips about what to do. And then he's also put together one called, I think it's called The First Survivors of Alzheimer's. And that's kind of stories of people that have made dramatic improvements in what was otherwise historically considered to be an irreversible disease. So he kind of used that phrasing to kind of make it sort of similar to cancer, because you know how sometimes we hear about a cancer survivor, but you don't usually hear about an Alzheimer's survivor, because, you know, generally it just gets worse and worse until they pass away. But these are, in his words, the first survivors of Alzheimer's. So this is a really cool potential benefit of fasting. And whenever I hear about interesting benefits of fasting, as I mentioned earlier, I find that particularly motivating. Uh, that really gets me wanting to to incorporate it into my lifestyle on a consistent basis because then I understand like, oh, wow, this is cool. It's going to help my brain be healthier and it's, it's going to help me have the, all these different health benefits. And by the way, some of the stuff I just mentioned in this podcast that can benefit people with Alzheimer's or help prevent Alzheimer's is kind of similar to some programs that are being used for people with other brain-related problems like mental health issues from schizophrenia to anxiety and depression. Sometimes following kind of a similar nutritional program can bring about a very dramatic improvement in those conditions as well. So in general, the brain tends to get healthier with these types of changes. So just for a quick summary, kind of tying this all together, Alzheimer's is super common. Millions of people have it in the United States alone, and it's surely going to get more and more common because not only are people living longer in general, but also the lifestyle factors that contribute to it are getting worse and, you know, the type of food people are eating and so forth. So just like diabetes is getting more common, Alzheimer's is going to keep getting more common. Um, What I didn't mention earlier is sometimes there's a strong family history, but not always, and, and lifestyle factors play a big role either way, whether there's a family history or not. The two main underlying causes of Alzheimer's in most cases are insulin resistance and inflammation. Fasting and keto can both play a a big role or both pretty effective at improving insulin resistance and inflammation. So it makes sense that they could both play an important role. The KetoFlex 12-3 nutritional plan includes no grains, sugar, or dairy, um, lots of nutrient-rich plants, healthy fats, and good quality protein, and that 12-hour overnight fast, the three hours before bedtime, and regular periods of ketosis. And that, plus some other tests and treatment, is pretty effective at preventing Alzheimer's, treating early cases, often with complete reversal, and seeing some improvement even in advanced cases. So what should you do with this information? Well, obviously, if you have a family member with Alzheimer's, or especially if it's an early case that might be more treatable, or if you have a family history of Alzheimer's or something like that, then it's probably going to be more motivating or you'll have more of a reason to really think seriously about this. But either way, regardless of whether that applies to you, it's probably worth thinking about what parts, uh, if there's any part or parts of the KetoFlex 12-3 approach that I explained earlier that would make sense for you to incorporate. And one really simple one would just be the three hours before bedtime of not eating or the 12 hours of fasting overnight, which is just like a light, not very aggressive type of time-restricted eating. And by the way, in episode four, I talked about how to start fasting as a total beginner. And in episode 17, I talked about different types of fasting and how you can kind of start and kind of progress through those different types. So that would be a useful tool if you're thinking about how to incorporate just a little bit of fasting into your lifestyle. And then there are those other kind of nutritional improvements that go along with the KetoFlex program that you could also take a look at. 
Now, if you do have that family history or if you have a symptomatic case of Alzheimer's that's not very advanced, then I think you would probably benefit from reading at least one of Dr. Bredesen's books so you can kind of get a more in-depth understanding of it. And then use that as kind of a jumping off point for creating a plan to either prevent it, if that's your goal, or to treat the case of Alzheimer's that's already ongoing. Now, if you do know anyone who could benefit from this information, either because they have that family history, or maybe they're starting to have some memory issues that are maybe not officially diagnosed, who knows, or even if they officially do have Alzheimer's, then please share this episode with them. Or you can just send them one of the books, but maybe they'd like to start by listening to a shorter summary. So please consider sharing this episode with anyone you know who could benefit from this information. Thanks a lot for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Fasting Well podcast. The Fasting Well podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.